to start off with the apology uh, on this episode because I know that uh, I used the Sportsnet theme last week, um, but I'm using it again this week because it's way more appropriate uh, this week than it was last week. Not that it wasn't appropriate last week. It's just the uh, subject of today's episode. The author is uh, one of the best uh, anchors on Sportsnet right now, one of my favorites for sure, so uh, that's why it's appropriate. But I think you can guess by the title why I've said that, so... Uh, after all, you do know what book we're doing before I even do it. Like I go into every week like it's some mystery, but hey, it's my show. It's my process. So I'll just go with that. But uh, hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, this is From the Point. I'm Danny Lambert, and I'm really happy to have you here as always as we dive into another hockey book. Um, Look at it this week in hockey. I just got to say the playoff clinching uh, and the playoff hunt is uh, – definitely from full swing and it's awesome super awesome to watch uh, hurricanes are in now uh, as you watch the field of the playoffs start to develop and grow um, I just still think though when I look at it it is a who's going to win situation who looks like the best for me it's still out west uh, especially the golden knights they're they're winning at a tear uh, heard an interview with Max Pacioretty this afternoon and uh, I got to tell you uh, they seem motivated um, we know for a lot of the Vegas faithful that, hey, this isn't the team that started off uh, in the first place, but a lot of that mojo is still there. A lot of that feeling is still there, even though some of the parts and pieces have changed a little bit. Uh, guys like Nate Schmidt aren't there anymore, you know, et cetera. I just get a good feeling off of the Golden Knights right now and what they can do and where they can go. Um, but uh, at the same time, there's other great compelling stories out there right now about people on the bubble. I mean, in the out West, uh, is it going to be St. Louis? Is it going to be Arizona? You don't know. And up North, uh, are the jets going to tank and is Calgary going to take their place? Uh, I mean, looking at it, Calgary is playing very determined. I saw something with Matthew Kachuk today saying that they're definitely playing to get in the playoffs. So awesome. As we go down the stretch, looking forward to it. And I know as you all are, but, uh, like I always say every week, I hate to repeat myself, uh, we're here for hockey books, and uh, this week's is going to be a great one. Uh, I know I promised you uh, a different book than we're going to go over this week. Uh, last week, if you were listening, I said we're going to do Stat Shot, but uh, I just decided uh, after reading this book this week, I'm like, I got to do this one right away. It's too good. It's too awesome. And I'm sure you'll agree if you've read it before, and even after you get done with uh, listening to the episode, you would agree. It's it's an awesome book, and it's one that uh, was really uh deserving of a review in something that since it's fresh in my mind I wanted to get out quickly um, but I think the subject of today's book is something that most of us all know the feeling of getting you know hockey cards baseball cards football cards when you're a kid boy you couldn't beat it especially if you're <laughs> of a certain generation um, which the author of today's book is, and I am, I'm about his age, maybe a little bit younger, but at the same time, I remember when collecting cards was everything when you were a kid, and it was just awesome. And uh, just that feeling of getting the pack, going through it, trying to find your favorite players, uh, opening up that Beckett Sports Guide and seeing how much they were worth, it was just too cool. It was a good time. It's definitely nostalgic, um, for sure. And uh, when I picked this book up and I, I read Ken Reed's words about everything. I'm like, wow, this sounds a lot like how I used to feel and still do about a lot of my cards, uh, which I still do pull out just like Reed does every once in a while. Uh, 
And today's book is uh, going to be Hockey Card Stories uh, from by Ken Reed, as you probably could imagine, and as you read during the title. <laughs> but uh, what I really thought was cool about this book is just how Reed is able to uh, take what everybody remembers and put it into words. Um, he even puts it himself. He, he didn't know if the idea for the book was really going to be viable until people told him, no, you want to write this book. Uh, and it was his first one. And as we know, he's actually done two of these now, and I'm looking forward to reading the second one soon enough. And of course, we'll probably have an episode over that soon. But uh, what I really liked about this book is just like uh, one to remember that we, we did earlier, uh, Reed takes a lot of great stories, does a lot of great work, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So without uh, delay, we're going to go ahead and uh, get into the warm up right after this. 745, welcome back to BT Van. Joining us via satellite right now is Amanda Loves His Hockey Cards. Who didn't back in the day? Ken Reed, anchor from Sportsnet Central. And you loved your hockey cards so much, Ken. I'm holding up the book, True Tales from mm -hmm. Your Favorite Players. All kinds of great stories. And I know you give a shout out to your mom in the book, but where did the true idea for this book come from? You know what, Riaz, as I got older, my cards stayed the same age. I, and I'd look at them when I'd go back home and I'd think, geez, you know, I, I didn't really think much of the fact that this uniform was a different color. And then I'd catch on to the fact, wow, that's airbrushed. Or, wow, why does that guy have curly hair when he naturally has straight hair? And things looked a lot different back then. So then I thought, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. I can say what I want about these cards, but what would it be like to catch up with these guys all these years later and let them tell me about what was going on on their hockey cards and I unearthed what I think are some pretty interesting stories. So uh, voila, started typing away and I got a book. So what you heard right there was an interview that Ken did just kind of talking about uh, what his motivation was to write the book and just how he how he felt about his hockey card collection. And uh, once again, uh, like a lot of the words that are in the book and that I've heard during the interviews, uh, his words definitely resonate with me. And that's exactly how I feel about it. So um, I really like that to, to kick things off, just sort of always when I can get a purpose statement from the author, it's just way too cool. So uh, that's where we are. Um, but I think everybody out there can agree that, uh, you know, hockey cards just... It, in sports cards in general, but really since we're talking about hockey cards, hockey cards really have sort of just this feel. They bring you back to a situation, especially if you're a little bit older. It makes you relive moments from your childhood, moments from the past that were just great. I know that when I flip through mine, I just have that uh, feeling of of watching those players again and, and enjoying it. Uh, growing up in the late 80s and uh, early, early and mid-90s, I... <laughs> just doesn't beat it it's too awesome it was a great time to collect cards too because there was a ton of them so but that's really what it's about it's about the snapshot in time about looking at the uniforms looking at the players because they all have different looks at different times uh, and if you read the the book a lot of the cards that uh reed has and features are from the 1970s and as we all know there's a lot of cool uh, hockey looks from the 70s um a lot of talking about fu manchu mustaches and long hair kind of neat um, but, you know, I think that's what we kind of are grabbing onto. These cards don't aren't just pieces of cardboard. They mean a lot to the people who collect them. Um, and one thing that I really could probably know, but it stands out in the book for sure, t talking to, listening to Ken, is that 
the players really appreciated him too in a lot of cases. And I think that was really cool um, hearing some of the players talk about seeing their cards for the first time or really just appreciating how much they were. Or as you hear in a couple cases, some of the players were actually uh, just as big or bigger collectors than you can ever think of. So not too bad. Um, and then, of course, the stories behind the, what the cards were is amazing in a lot of cases. A lot of stories about airbrushing uh, different uh, teams' jerseys onto players just so that if, when they were traded or they signed with a different team, they looked right, uh, but they didn't end up looking right. Um, and that's a lot of what Ken talks about. But it's also just even, you know, kind of just hearing these snippet stories that tie into larger careers and larger arcs of stories. Um, like I said, I really enjoyed one to remember. And the, to me, this is even more of a, a just you know, I wouldn't call it a continuation because this is a book that came before that but it's just in the same vein it's it really goes with that and I, it's a lot of fun to listen to for sure so um, but you know I, I guess the biggest thing is that you know the stories are great I mean I mean they're just amazing and you're you're always just surprised at the access that Ken Reed had to these different guys and he he admits it at the end too. Uh, hey, this was this was awesome. So, but he breaks it down into a lot of different categories. You know, like rookies, error cards, uh, Hall of Famers, all kinds of stuff like that. So there's no shortage of just a super good cross section of all different kinds of hockey cards, all different kinds of hockey players. So, um, but what's really cool and cannot be understated, and we're going to talk a lot about too in the episode, is just how Ken weaves in his you know, personal experience in life and in being an uber hockey fan and a you know, collector uh, into the discussion. Because you do get an insight. It's almost biographical in a lot of ways into, into what uh, Ken's life was like, which was neat. And uh, just hearing about how growing up in Nova Scotia, you appreciated the cards and what they were and stuff. So, but... Looking forward to this discussion. Uh, I think the best way to, you know, sort of start it off and to break it down is um, I, I really look at the, I don't want to go over things just like Ken did because you can read the book just as easily. But what I do want to do is go and kind of break things down into uh, a little bit more uh, different kind of categories, really uh, group it together so I can have a good discussion about the book at the same time, but not really rehash uh, word for word what Ken did. Um, so to me, when I look at the three-period construct, I'm going to break it down in about three areas. And the first is we'll just talk about, you know, how the players were and what their reactions were to their cards and just kind of a little bit about the different stories that they would tell Ken. In the second period, we're just going to kind of, you know, talk about, you know, how the fans see the different cards and how the, how, you know, kind of more of the, you know, what the, what the perspective was from, from the everyday man. And then finally, uh, we'll tie it back to Ken Reed himself and just uh, talk about Ken's life that was weaved into the different stories of the cards and then kind of his celebration of the cards and how he really puts it together that way with his own personal spin on the uh, cards themselves and the stories that the players have behind them. So uh, it's going to be a great one. I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, uh, I had to supplant my plans just to fit this one in because I was so excited to review this book. So without further ado, we're going to get into the first period up next. One cool thing about getting to do what we do for a living is you get to work with the guys who used to be on your hockey cards 
Now, I didn't collect any of yours. You're too old, and if I got you couldn't them, I, afford it. Yeah, I, I, I don't look like cards from the dollar bin. Let's face it. <laughs> look at our man, Cheech. He's all over the cards. Look at this. <laughs> Whoa, heavy stubble beard on the headshot, the classic one that we love, mm -hmm. where you get to see what they look like. The old school V love jersey. That v. Love he loved that it, v. hey. You know what and the then, V stood for? Vancouver. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. And then I love the action shot as well. Just terrible technique. Oh, uh, maybe awful. at the time it was awesome. Do you but think he's going too fast back there, or is, <laughs> he, or is he doing warm up? Warm I think up, he's just the... trying to get a toe on it. Like, yeah, you know, he's just, going yeah. warm up. He's just going. Yeah, he just. Yeah, Cheeks didn't two pad stack in, in warm up. At <laughs> no, all. no, you don't go down in the warmies. But there's got to be two pad stack potential there, don't you think? But great card, great helmet, great jersey, old school equipment, old school pose, headshot mustache, huge stubble, and we know him. Yeah, and we know him. And he once snuck a hot dog underneath his pad when he was playing against the Quebec North Geeks because the goalie stormed off the ice too early. And Cheech played a third period with a hot dog stuck in those giant pads. It's true. What a maniac. So right there, that's a, that's actually a story from the book. Uh, clued into John Garrett in <laughs> playing for Vancouver. Uh, in, in <laughs> the hot dog story is too much. Um, he, I just really, really thought that was cool. Uh, doesn't have a lot to do with his card per se, but has definitely a lot to do with the man and the snapshot in time that the card was about because he describes being a backup goaltender, uh, playing at the Colisee, uh, and just kind of how the Colisee had great hot dogs and you were a little bit out of sight from the bench so you could sneak yourself a hot dog and then uh, getting actually called into the game before he finished the hot dog. And, of course, he didn't want to show everybody that he had the hot dog, so he shoved it in his pads and played the uh, rest of the game played the rest of the game in relief uh, with that hot dog in there. And, uh, of course, you, you have to laugh when at the end uh, the predicate is that the uh, hot dog was uneatable. Kind of could guess that one. So, but uh, here in the first period, that's kind of where I want to take this story a little bit too. Is just kind of talk about the players and their perspective on their own cards because I thought that was really cool. Because here's Ken and he gets these cards and he takes them to the different players. Uh, like I said, cross section. You know, we're talking Hall of Famers. He talked to Bobby Orr. He takes to Esposito and then he talks to some of the. Uh, you know, guys who only played a game in the uh, NHL, and but it's still awesome to to hear their stories because uh, Ken just brings it to life because um, he he presents them with the card and you can hear things like oh my gosh what the heck or oh I remember this or hey I was excited to see that when that came out you know just so many different reactions and that was kind of the cool part um, definitely an aspect to the book that I think that you would enjoy I wanted to focus in on for sure. Um, and I, what really, the, the ones that I thought were really cool were just hearing the stories about um, the guys who were really excited to see themselves on a hockey card <laughs> because they felt it was a sign that they had made it. Um, and it, it just kind of was crazy because you saw a difference. You know, you had some guys who played like two games right away and, and they got their card you know, that first season. And then there were stories like Dave Reed's that we'll get more into a little bit later. Cause I thought it was really good uh, where Dave played a couple seasons and he didn't get a card, even though he was a really big card nut himself. 
but it just goes to show you that the hockey card for the player is sometimes really important because it's a sign that they've made it. It's something that they remember collecting as a kid, and it's just a cool thing to have uh, for posterity. Uh, I think Ken would ask him almost every player what they're doing with if they had the cards, what they do with them. Some, you know, say they don't know where they are, or I gave them to the grandkids, or. But some are like, yeah, hey, I still got it, and I know where it is, and it's really important to me. So it's kind of cool. But then there's kind of also the flip side I noticed. Um, Some players, you know, they valued it, but they didn't really value it. They just kind of saw it as something to do. Um, One of the ones that stuck out to me was when he he, uh, interviewed Phil Esposito and talking to Espo about what he felt about his hockey card and everything. And he sort of downplayed it the whole time. And, I mean, hey, you're a Hall of Famer, and – you're Phil Esposito. You're one of the best goal scorers ever. So I could see where hockey cards aren't really important to you. But I was just really surprised to hear how much uh, Phil could kind of care less. And he, uh, the way it was described by Ken was that Phil just sort of did what he had to do, smiled for the camera, as always, was class act, but uh, really didn't put a whole lot of stock into the hockey card thing. And like I said, you know, juxtapose that with the idea that there were some guys that uh, they were begging to get their own hockey cards. Uh, it's kind of funny to see. Um, and then, you know, Ken goes into runs the gambit, too. It's not just about the players and the different categories you're in. It's actually about the cards themselves. Um, hearing about the error cards is too much because if you were a collector back in the day, you definitely remember what those error cards were like. And from the perspective of the player, I think it was really funny because one of the ones that happened quite a bit, one of the situations that happened quite a bit was that uh, one player would sit there and look at their card and go that's not me it's somebody else flat out it's somebody else's picture and I guess that happened quite often uh, and I, I know that everybody out there probably knows that that's something that happened but um, there's a couple of great stories about that I think the best one though is uh, talking about Steve Larmer and uh, Steve Ludzik because both of them have the same initials Okay, they both played for the Blackhawks. They both, you know, were rookies at the same time. Uh, And according to Reed, uh, when he was talking to Steve Ludzig, they were good friends, too, as well. Um, That story about them doing their laundry together and then using their initials to uh, that's too funny. Okay, and if you remember SL Steve Larimer, SL Steve Ludzig. Okay, you get it. Uh, so not, not too bad, but the fact that those two got their pictures swapped on each other's cards is too, too much to me. Uh, and what I also found funny just overall with the way that the pictures would get swapped and stuff is, um, Reed was ta- talked to a player that had that situation. They'd usually tell the people at card shows who'd hand it to him and be like, you know, that's not me. That's, you know, Bob Smith or whoever the case may be. Uh, and some guys wouldn't even sign the front of their card. They would just flip it over on the back and be like, I signed it on the back because, yeah, those are my stats, but that's not my picture. So kind of quirky, kind of cool. Once again, something from the player's perspective of what they think of the cards. Um, and then uh, we kind of alluded to it earlier, talked slightly about it, but uh, another issue was uh, sort of just how the card companies, in an effort to be earnest and, and do the best job that they can, were, were into sort of, uh, making sure that the the players, if they got traded or they signed with a new team, represented that new team as much as possible. And if you look at some of those mid-70s cards, especially the ones that Reed is talking about, uh, they're not really action shots. They're just shots of the player, their pictures. So um, really easy to sort of alter them in that case, and that's what they tried to do in a lot of cases. They would airbrush the picture uh, to reflect the t- guy's new team and 
uh, as you see, some of the jobs are pretty good. Some of them are pretty bad. Um, I'll be honest with you, they're all pretty bad, really, back then. Uh, they didn't have the technology like they do now. I mean, shoot, you get on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and you look at uh, pictures of somebody. Uh, I mean, shoot, I just saw something where, you know, there's rumors that Aaron Rodgers is going away from Green Bay, and every team in the world already has sterling-looking Photoshop pictures of them, of him in their number 12 in their uniform. So it just goes to show you that technology has come a long way. But in the case of 1970s Opeachy uh, cards, uh, <laughs> it wasn't that great. And, uh, of course, the players were flabbergasted to see that, and uh, I thought that was kind of funny as well, just to hear their reactions about that kind of stuff and just the doctoring that went on. Um, and then, of course, you cannot uh, I, I'd be remiss if I left this story out, too, from the book, uh, Don, The Great Don Cherry, uh, <laughs> talking about how he swears up and down that Opeachy uh, airbrushed his tie on his uh, first uh, card with the Boston Bruins as a coach. Uh, I think it's too too hilarious because, uh, yeah, it's Grapes is wearing a blue suit with a red tie. He swears he was wearing a blue suit, which that probably checks because, as Reed points out in the book, and as we all know, he's quite the uh, fashionista, and he wouldn't have done that. Doesn't sound like out of character for him. But with the players, I just like I said, it was really cool to hear their reactions to their own cards and just uh, how it varied really, but. I mean, mostly positive. I don't think anybody really had anything negative to say. It's just levels of enthusiasm, I suppose. Um, but I think f the next way I want to take this discussion for the second period is just to kind of talk about uh, the other side of the uh, hockey card. I mean, there's the guy on the picture and his reaction to it, but then there's the people who actually collected it and what they thought about the different cards uh, and how, how that went. And we get a little insight into that in the book. So we're going to go over that in the second period. And that'll be up next right after this. A little something I bet you never noticed because, I mean, look, this is a Bill Armstrong 1991-92 OPG top prospect card. Bill Armstrong played one game in the National Hockey League, but Bill Armstrong has left a lasting legacy within the game of hockey. What is it? Well, it's this. We all freak out when we see a lacrosse goal. I garner that Bill Armstrong was the first to ever do it in a pro game. A lot of people call it the Michigan goal. Mike Legg scored for Michigan in the NCAA tournament in 1996. Well, interesting story, the night before that goal, Bill Armstrong also scored a goal like that, but the footage was so bad it couldn't make it onto TV. And to make the story even more interesting, Mike Legg and Bill Armstrong used to train together in the summers in London, Ontario. Legg saw Armstrong doing the lacrosse thing. Armstrong gave him a few tips. Legg shoots to fame. Armstrong just keeps doing the lacrosse thing, scored four lacrosse goals in the AHL, four lacrosse goals in the IHL, and ended up with this hockey card and one game played in the National Hockey League. Armstrong, he could snipe, and I'm telling you, if they had quality camera work and HD back in the day, you would have known of the name Bill Armstrong long before right now. So that was another story from the book that I really liked a lot um, because it covers something that I remember watching it on TV and I was like, wow, that was awesome. Holy crap. I can't believe he did that. Um, but as you hear from Ken himself, uh, that wasn't really the case. That person wasn't really the person who came up with it. So Bill Armstrong is the one who came up with the lacrosse goal. It wasn't that kid from Michigan. Um, but as you hear from Ken, that kid from Michigan learned it from Armstrong. 
and, but apparently Armstrong's way better at it and uh, did it a few times just in some lower leagues where we didn't see, didn't uh, see it in the book. And he kind of says it there in the interview too, but he expands on it a little bit in the book. I mean, Armstrong tried to send that to like ESPN and they didn't, they didn't want to take it because apparently it was uh, not that great a quality of video, but uh, he did it first uh, and he did it a lot more. So uh, that's really Bill Armstrong's move. Uh, still, the guy only played a game in the NHL, so that's another thing. But he had a successful career in, in, in lower leagues, and as we all know, that's that's still really good. So getting to the second period, um, like I said, I wanted to take this perspective from kind of the other side of the card because we talked about the player. Uh, now let's talk about the people who were collecting him, actually out in the fans, what they thought about him, just kind of the things that I gleaned from the stories that Ken told in the book. Um and I just think that it, it was cool to see the enthusiasm that so many people still have out there today. I mean, cards aren't worth what they used to be, but there's still a lot of people out there uh, that are still collecting them and still uh, trying to get their uh, players' autographs on them. Uh, one of the things uh, that you hear almost across the board uh, in, in a lot of the different stories is the guys will be like, well, yeah, I still get that card sent to me today in the mail for an autograph. Uh, and I've got to send a couple back or whatever the case may be. And I just thought that was just floored me because it really did run the gamut. I mean, and like we talked about, a lot of these guys were players back in the 70s and they didn't play too long either. So uh, just the fact that they're getting fan mail and people wanting to sign their cards shows you that the uh, collector culture is still out there and very much uh, a big thing. So uh, I, I, I just got a chuckle out of it. I really did uh, that, hey, you know, you got these uh, – plugs from the 70s that people are still trying to get autographs out of and I wonder where they get their addresses from because that's some serious stocking in my opinion but really it, it speaks to the kind of connection that people have and what these cards do for that I mean you're connected to a player in the time frame for the most part like I talked about you know with my hockey cards I look at them and it just brings me back uh, you remember buying them you remember watching the person uh, on TV and just kind of thinking wow I mean I want to be like that guy. I mean, uh, I, I can still tell you right now, my Brett Hall cards are on lockdown. Uh, you, <laughs> and I love to go take a look at them every once in a while. Now I have kids of my own, too. It's, it's nice to show them. But it just goes to show you the connection that, you know, and it's talked about a lot in the book, just what people feel when they, they look at the cards. And I think, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later. That's obviously one of the inspirations and feelings that, that Ken channels into this book and why he wrote it. Um but you hear the stories about a lot of different super fans, and I think there's two of them that are, are worth sharing right now just to sort of drive the point home. Uh, one of them is actually a player, and I, I thought it was one of the coolest uh, player stories, but it also speaks to kind of the fandom that's out there. Uh, Dave Reed, uh, when he played for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, there's a lot of stories about him and his hockey card obsession. He actually owned his own store for a while in the Toronto area, which I thought was crazy, but, uh, he was a super fan, super freak, uh, fan about hockey cards and talks about opening them up on a, on the bus on minor league, uh, days and sort of getting his entire team into it. Uh, and his team kind of thinking, well, at first, wow, this is really cool, you know, and, and then sort of realizing that, wow. Okay. So this isn't just something we're doing for fun. Dave really likes this and he does this like on the serious. So, uh, that was kind of funny to listen to, but uh, even more so just when he started making money in the NHL, he was able to buy more cards by the store like you talked about. Um, and then <laughs> there's a good story in there that he got uh, one of the first sets of cards ever made 
uh, paid a lot of money for it, comes home on a road trip while he's in Winnipeg and comes home and his wife, uh, I believe the words were, were livid with him for doing that. And it just goes to show you that some people are willing to go through a lot of lengths to get cards. Uh, and granted, this is still in the 90s when the card phrase craze was at its height. But uh, it just still shows you that, hey, look, the nostalgia, the collection, uh, you can't beat it. It's too awesome. Um, <laughs> and then another story that stood out to me is uh, Ed Stanikowski. Uh, he played goal for the uh, Blues in the 70s, uh, and it was kind of a neat story. So uh, Reed sets it up real well and says, you know, hey, Stanikowski's this young hotshot goalie with the Blues, gets out of the St. Louis arena, uh, and a kid comes up to him to get his autograph, <laughs> and, and he goes, wow, okay, you want my autograph? He goes, yeah, it's the only way I can get rid of these things. Uh, so <laughs> kind of a, one of those veiled insults, but Stanikowski said he didn't take it uh, too badly, and it, for him, hockey was just something he was kind of doing for a little bit because uh, that's another cool part about this book, not to get off too off track, but, uh, you know, uh, the complete arc and stories about where the guys are now. Uh, Stanikowski actually ended up being a lieutenant colonel in the Canadian Forces. It's way too cool uh, to know that somebody like that had such a, you know, lasting and great impact after the sport. Uh, it's kind of neat. Uh, that second life. I mean, he played 219 NHL games, and then after that, you know, hey, I've always wanted to be in the army. I'm going to go do that. But uh, you know, when you look at the the fans' connections to their cards, it, it, it brings the sport in. And I think uh, the best example in the book, actually, of a fan and their cards is Ken's when he talks about his connections to the different cards because these are cards that he had uh, and he has in his collection. So it's kind of neat to hear. Um, and we're going to get into that in the third period because I think that's where I want to finish the uh, discussion today on the book is just talk about Ken Reed, his obsession with hockey cards, uh, and, and what it brings to the book and why, for me, it really makes the book 100% special. So uh, that's where we're going to go in the third period, which is up next, coming up after this. When we look at hockey cards, I think it was it was something different to everybody. One, it was the card. Maybe you got it for the gum. Maybe you got it for the sound in your bike spokes. But for a hockey player, a hockey card was a special form of validation. When you look at your entire collection, what was the hockey card that meant the most to you? For me, the one that meant the most was the Gretzky rookie card. My brother and I got it. My mom brought home a box of cards that she got from an auction in a little town called Westville for 10 bucks. And my brother and I never had the blue 7980 Gretzky. We called it the blue one because it had the blue border. So we hunted through this box, and about halfway through, we found this old Gretzky. It was beat up, had a marker on the front of it, but it was a Gretzky. So, of course, we looked at it and offered him it, and then 30 seconds later, it was a fist fight, right? Who owns the Gretzky? So mom said, boys, you share that card. And to this day, my brother and I still split custody of the Gretzky rookie. So it's in my house right now, though. And it's a family affair. What did mom say? I know she was a big part of the book. What did she say about uh, your latest piece here? Mom loved it. Mom's a big part of this book. Uh, it's, it's almost an ode to mom in a way, because if it wasn't for my mother, I wouldn't have kept all my cards. I wouldn't have got so into them I don't think the way I did so mom, mom probably bought me a lot of these cards in this book so mom was really proud of it she made the thank yous alright well Ken good on you uh, 59 interviews Phil Esposito Bobby Orr Don Cherry the list goes on congrats a great passion project thanks appreciate it that was a pretty cool interview right there uh, I really like how Ken talks about uh, the, the Gretzky rookie card I mean that is like the coolest hockey card ever uh, and this is the description, like he says, the blue one. Everybody knows the blue Gretzky one. 
uh, it's pretty indistinguishable. Uh, and the fact that he and his brother fought over it, uh, yeah, I remember that kind of stuff. I had a twin brother for sure. Uh, a lot of shared product. Uh, I will say that there were no real fist fights. We usually got along pretty well. But, uh, you know, a lot of shared custody type stuff. Hey, it's just one way to get on, get a hold of stuff. But, um, and also the fact that it, it was markered up and it wasn't 100% condition. I mean, it's Gretzky rookie card. Nonetheless, who cares? And then, of course, um, in the interview, too, in, he says it alludes to it in the book that his mom was a big part of his hockey card collecting, believe it or not. Uh, and it's nice to see that a parent fuels somebody's love and passion like that. And it really did come through in the pages of the book. So, And that's where I'm going to take it right here for the third period. Just kind of talking about Ken Reed's passion for hockey cards and, and what weaving in stories from his life really did for the book. It, it makes it special to me. Um, you know, for me, it was just kind of, you know, the small things like, for example, he talks about getting packs of cards at the uh, canteen at the rink where he grew up in Nova Scotia, uh, it, it, when he'd go watch the uh, local junior C team. And I think that's kind of cool because I think we all have memories like Ken's of going to different places in our childhood and picking up cards. Uh, for me, uh, not about hockey cards, but about baseball cards. I remember when I got my first baseball cards, uh, it was after a little league. I'd go get uh, a Coke and, and a pack of 86 tops. It was awesome. It was too cool. And then, of course, we branched out a little bit, started getting hockey cards. And I remember getting hockey cards from the drugstore uh, and from other different places. And uh, I remember probably the coolest time was when I actually bought my first box. Granted, it was a bunch of Bowman, but, hey, it was okay. Uh, I still have a lot of those cards right now. Me and my brother split that, of course. Uh, but, you know, I'm just trying to tell you, it's cool. It was awesome. And, I, and that's what comes out and reads different stories, like I said. You start to learn where he got his cards from. He talked about uh, being there with his mom and getting cards from her. Um, he says his collection got so big that he and his brother started selling them at different card shows all around Nova Scotia, around the province. And I thought that was kind of cool, too. So... It just shows you that, hey, look, for Ken Reed, it's this is not just a book to tell you about hockey or pontificate or get access to different hockey players. I mean, the guy really knows his stuff about hockey cards, and it comes through in the book for sure. Um, and like a, you know, and it's just neat to hear that. Uh, like I said, you know, when you have parents that help you with your hobby, it's too cool. Mine, you know, how would I put it? They they bought a lot of cards for me too, uh, and I know at times they probably thought it was. Not exactly the most, uh, wasn't the best way to spend my money, I suppose is a better way to put it. Uh, but uh, they certainly understood and supported. And I know that getting uh, different boxes of cards for Christmas may have been a little tough for my mom to go to the store, card store and go get, but she went and got them and it was too awesome. So I definitely remember that. Uh, but he also weaves in stories about the players and about the cards, which are really cool. Talks about... Uh, Lumley's card, uh, Steve Lumley, and when he was playing with uh, Gretzky and just how he went on that tear and he was actually, you know, doing really well, probably because he's playing with Gretzky, but at the same time uh, that uh, where he ties it into his life was just too cool. He's like, they would play kitchen hockey with him and his brother would play kitchen hockey with their dad and it would be who wants to be Gretzky and who wants to be Lumley. <laughs> and not exactly uh, the the two things that you pick, but, I mean, two players that you pick. I mean, I would have probably gone for Gretzky and Curry, but I wasn't there. I didn't grow up at that time. So uh, Ken did, and, and I just think that that was a cool thing to weave into 
to when he talked about Lumley's card. Uh, it's too cool. Uh, and then another story I really liked is when we talked about Cooper Alls. So if you look at cards from that era, uh, and if you weren't alive during that era or you weren't paying attention, uh, Cooper Alls are those pants that they tried to do for a while. Uh, and they even made it up the ranks, even in the pros. Some of the pro guys were wearing them for a while. And uh, basically what it was is, okay, you don't want to wear hockey socks. You don't want to wear breezers. You wear Cooper Alls. Well, all in one, supposed to do the same thing. Uh, and it looks slick. Apparently, Ken Reed thought they looked really slick, too, so he uh, wanted them. Uh, but he talks about them on uh, one of the players' cards. But then he gets into the story of how he had to get them for Christmas, and uh, he ended up getting into a situation where he's tearing through all his presents, and they weren't there, and his dad kind of pulled a Christmas story thing on him where it's like, oh, hey, look, what's what about that one over there? And uh, he got his Cooperalls after all and was able to uh, – have those he said he loved them so much he uh put them on warm for the rest of the day even to christmas dinner so um you know not the most functional thing i don't even know if you can call them stylish now but people thought they were stylish but uh ken reed sure thought they were really cool so i i, I thought that was a really cool story and it went into a hockey card um and then you know what kind of how ken also talks about things like just flipping over the card and being impressed with things like the cartoons that used to be on the back of them uh, and just, you know, all the all the stats. And you can tell just the love that comes through through the cards because every story, every, every story about a card starts out with who the player is, what the number of the card is, because that's important. If you're a collector, you've got to know what the number is because that's how you look it up in the price guide. And if you're like me, when you collected your cards, I usually put them in order. Um, I usually separated them out by team, but they were in order, you know, by number. So it, <laughs> to me, that was really cool. And it just shows how Ken Reed really puts a lot into it. And uh, by the way, all the cards are all peachy. So uh, if you're looking for any, uh, <laughs> if you're looking for any variety, it's not out there. But if you're a Canadian kid, that's cool. I mean, you know, all peachy is probably the gold standard. It's the one that's been around the longest. Um, but if you're from America, you're, some of you who may not be as, attuned you got to understand opichi is basically tops north of the border okay so if you had tops cards it's the same thing it's got the same picture usually the same design um but i will argue and most canadians will love me for this opichi is a little bit better why because it's opichi so it's all good um but really in the end when i think about ken's stories and and the person you know personality and personal stamp that he puts on everything it's just fun to hear about it you know um and hear about somebody who grew up like me you know who had a lot of the same experiences with their parents and just uh, loving cards and trading them and in in some cases selling them i didn't sell a lot apparently ken sold a lot more than me i wasn't in business he talks about having his own business cards and stuff and going to hockey card shows but um, I never did that, but at the same time, it, I remember that time when, when hockey cards and were valuable and you could get, make a lot of money off of them, but it's just really cool to see how that person who was like me grew up to be a sports writer and got access to these guys to hear the stories about not only how their cards were, but what their lives were. It's just these quirky, awesome, neat stories. And that's why it really endeared, it, what really endeared me to the book was um, those quirky stories. But you got to add into it the quirky stories told by Ken Reed, told through his voice. And, and so I thought that was really neat. 
Um, and most of all, though, I, I can't express enough the love for the cards and just how they come out. And that was too cool. So as I wrap it up, I just want to say, you know, it, it was a good book. It was a great book. So we'll talk more about that in the uh, post game, though, because that's usually what we do. We wrap up. But uh, just to once again say uh, Ken Reed's stamp on this book was too much and it was awesome. So uh, we'll talk about the, the end of this and wrap it up in the post game coming up next. When I started doing it, a few years later, they became worth money. So then there was a reason for you to tell your mom not to throw them out. So I was, a, a, you know, I'd set up at shows around uh, Nova Scotia, sell cards, and they were just something I always kept, always looked oh, at. Oh, you did that? You'd bought and yeah. sold them? Yeah. You were that guy? Yeah, my brother and I had uh, business cards. Yeah, we'd do shows in, uh, oh, in, I didn't uh, know that. at the Halifax Forum. We'd do oh. shows at Coal Harbor Place. Uh, we'd do the flea market at the Highland Square Mall in Pecta wow. County. What was your biggest show? I, where, where, where are you peaked? I, I would say they used to have this this show in Halifax every few months. It was a big one in the form, form annex. I think the RV show? Not the RV <laughs> show, no. But I think I hauled in 800 bucks on a Saturday once. Really? And when you're 15, 16 years well, old, that's pretty good. Seriously. Yeah. So when you're when you're in the uh, the hockey card, uh, sports cards, trading industry, buying and selling, is yeah. there a, like a, a show that you you reach where you go, I'm it. Not, not really. As a kid, I mean, you just were psyched to sell your doubles and make money so that you could buy more cards, right? It's not like I was investing it wisely. And now that I look back on all these cards I had circa 89, 90, they're not worth anything now, and I wish I sold them all. But <laughs> I still love having them and, and flipping through them because I guess my passion is I, I know this sounds cheesy, but I look at hockey from a romantic standpoint. I don't look at it from a number-crunching analytic standpoint. My love of the game, I think, is pretty cure, pure and when I look back, I like to look at hockey as through the eyes of a you know a 10, 11-year-old kid, and I guess that's kind of what the cards do for me. And there you have it. I mean, and that interview really puts it home. I almost can't say it any better to wrap this thing up than what Ken just said himself. I really like what he says at the end. He likes the romanticized part of hockey and just how the cards sort of transport you back to feeling like that 10 or 11-year-old kid. Uh, and I think we all who really out there love the sport, we all feel like that at heart. We all have those moments where we remember that. I mean, I, that was when I started to pay attention, and that's when I really started to love the game. Uh, I started to really try to get good at it, play driveway hockey, uh, you know, uh, skate just a little bit harder, shoot a few more pucks outside, um, that kind of stuff. And so when I look at my hockey cards, it just brings me back to that. And I remember the TV stuff, too. I remember watching everything on TV. I, I, gosh, uh, I mean, those of you who've listened to the show before, I mean, I love playing those old hockey themes, uh, especially the hockey night, uh, National Hockey Night theme. Why? Because that theme, to me, I can still hear it today, and it brings me back. And it's just like these cards. Uh, and as you heard, especially for Ken Reed, the cards bring him back. And I think that's really where why this book is great, because... You can take the stories behind him, hear about the fun parts of the game. Because to me, the reason that hockey is so special, um, and I know sp all sports have kind of stories a lot like this, but I just, for my money, I don't know if they're as special as some of the stories that you hear about in hockey, especially. Because in hockey, you know, you only have some guys who play a couple games or whatever, uh, and they kind of come from different backgrounds and they've got different stories. And once again, I know a lot of sports are like that, but it just goes to show you that the game of hockey is 
one of those things that it's just it's a cool thing it's there's so many facets to it as we've explored before but uh you walk away from this book just feeling positive about it um and and feeling like connected connected is the best way to put it you feel connected to the game uh, and it's all being sold told through the story through the lens of these hockey cards and it's really just a vehicle at that point in some cases but the cards themselves are still the story. I mean, it's uh, sure the players talk about their careers a little bit, but the stories of the cards, uh, that's the primer. That's really the end. And, that, and Ken does a great job of keeping it full circle. As he did uh, in the other book I've read by him, you know, one to remember, he, he really makes you understand that, hey, there's a special connection through the subject that you're talking about but there's way more to to the story than just the topical part of it but the fact that in this case that this person has a hockey card and it's uh, in some cases got something special like an error or maybe uh, somebody else's picture or it was their rookie card and it just means a lot to the player uh, those were just cool to hear it's just there's always a story it just goes to show you there's always a story behind something and that's what I really loved about this book. And I'm sure you will, too. So I really encourage you to go out and read it um, because, like a lot of things, it's really easy to take it in small bites um, and it'll keep you engaged. And you'll just love the stories. I mean, I can't say that enough. You'll love the stories. And if you're a student of the game and especially the history, there's nothing better. These stories are the history of the game. Uh, and it's being told in just small snippets. I mean, and you run the gambit from, like I said, the small guy only maybe had one one game up and just how it felt for him to get that hockey card all the way up to Bobby Orr. And there's a good discussion of Bobby and just how that last uh, card of his in, was uh, in that 76 Canada Cup series uh, and it, how it put that predicate on his career because, as we know, the black hockey years weren't very good to Bobby, but that 76 series was probably the last thing he ever did. And by Ken kind of telling you the story of that card his last card uh and how it was pictured with the 76 canada cup uh jersey on it that was important uh because it just goes to show you it's, it's a good story and then hearing bobby's reaction to it and that's how the book is you're just going to hear a lot of reactions from a lot of great players so uh rush out and get it you'll enjoy it you won't <laughs> you will not regret it i, I promise so I think that's it for this week's episode. I've said enough. Um, and uh, I just want to thank you, as always, for tuning in. It's 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 a pleasure. I, I keep going every week, uh, and I just don't want to stop. And, <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of funny how this keeps fueling me to read more. I guess that's a good thing. Uh, I read a lot, but I certainly read a lot more now uh, just to keep up with everything. But uh, hopefully you enjoy what you've heard today. And uh, if you do, go ahead and give me a follow on uh, give me a subscribe and a, um, a good rating on your favorite places for podcasts. It's really important. It helps uh, helps raise awareness to the show, and maybe someday I can get some good equipment and uh, make the editing a little bit better than it is today. Um, and it also, if you really want to learn a couple things more about the book, uh, I post on social media throughout the week. So follow me on follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And if you've got some comments or you just a couple questions or whatever you want, uh, you just want to reach out. I do have an email address. That's uh, from the point podcast 16 at gmail.com. So looking ahead to next week, um, 
I think we're going to go ahead and do a book from a player that is uh, of my era that uh, I think is really cool because it, it he was a guy I remember being a great personality. I think it, you'll really enjoy this book. And that's uh, Best Seat in the House from uh, Jamie McLennan. Career back, uh, got to start a little bit, but mostly career backup goaltender. So if you can imagine, that's what that means. Uh, best Seat in the House, backup goaltender spot. I mean, shucks, you're on the bench. Nothing better. So we'll look into that next week and uh, hopefully have a great time doing that. So until then, I just want to say thank you. This has been From the Point. I'm Danny Lambert. And all of you hockey fans out there, stay classy.